<laughs> anyway, it is a dark and stormy night, by the way. Too. I know it's yeah. perfect. It's perfect. Well, I just like yeah, you blew I, like, the sound spit out all over bit. the microphone. That's all right. I got really excited, but yeah, it is kind of a perfect night for a horror movie podcast. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think this is the third recording in a row where it's been a dark and stormy situation when we recorded. Because I remember it was the raining. universe knows. Yeah, the universe knows. So the universe plans around us, Andrew. <laughs> Also, I'm a little sad, and here's the reason why I'm a little sad. There's a ladybug that made its way into my apartment the other day, mm-hmm. and I saw it crawl in. Clearly, it was outside, and it crawled through some like little crack in the window or something or under the screen, and it was like trying to find its way out. And I like was trying to push it out the window, but like it kept running away from me when I did it, and it was like it just kind of kept freaking out every time I was trying to kind of help it find its way back out the thing. So I kind of let it be for a little while. And then promptly forgot the whole thing had happened. And then as I was opening my window a second ago, I noticed I just saw the poor, sad, dead ladybug sitting on the windowsill. And uh, You're not leaving the house anymore, are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my takeaway from I'm this perfectly story. healthy, all right? <laughs> it's not. I was going to marry that ladybug, all right? Okay. <laughs> You're not the only one who gets to have a spouse, all right? Okay, I can marry that lady. I'm married too. I have a wife. Sure, she's not human, but what does it really matter? Did I take my old G.I. Joes out from when I was a kid and have snake eyes perform the ceremony? You'll never know because you're not invited now to my ladybug (laughs) wedding. You'll never know if that's what was planned. Friendship over. (laughs) Damn. Besmirched my wife. I love a good wedding and I really (laughs) fucked this up. (laughs) The dance party was going to be fantastic. Oh my God. God. Sorry, that was a a better story in my head, I think, than it was when I said it when I spoke it out. No, it's a great story. It, it, It revealed a lot. Now I know what you've been doing with your time. <laughs> sure as shit, not going outside. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so. How to top that, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I have, like I don't really know where to go there from there except to just <laughs> intro this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I was like, now that I've completely made myself sound like a huge asshole, it's time to introduce the movie. (laughs) Well, would you, as the sane one of the partnership, would you like to do the uh, formal introduction? Sure. So (laughs) this episode's movie is 1988's Pumpkinhead. Afraid raising the dead ain't within my power. Will it be all right? Should I be afraid? Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Kid Harley. You're looking for vengeance. Sad. There's no graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It's gotta run its course. Now it begins. It begins. begins. Full disclosure, I've never seen Pumpkinhead before. Uh, Yeah, this is my first time seeing Pumpkinhead as well. So neither one of us had seen Pumpkinhead, but obviously we both have heard of Pumpkinhead and the Pumpkinhead franchise. This movie I, I had always wanted to check out because it's actually like pretty well reviewed and received as far as like B-horror goes. I was looking it up this afternoon and it does seem like it's, I don't like to do that like whole tomato meter reading thing because that just kind of bums me out. But like it did seem to have sort of positive evaluations around there in the world. Yeah, I really liked it. I really enjoyed this movie. So I had never seen it either myself, and I was surprised because I recognized the director, Stan Winston. Yeah, Stan Winston. Yeah, and you know, you know Stan Winston's whole deal. Um, no. So Stan Winston's uh, deal is that he is actually first and foremost famous for being a makeup and creature effects guy. He did both Terminator movies. He actually built the metal Terminators and did all the makeup on Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. He did the Predator. He did the Aliens in the second Aliens movie. 
And he did all of the live action mechanical Jurassic Park dinosaurs. So Stan sort of had a pedigree. I love this about him. Yeah. I love that he transitioned from like doing all this like special effects artistry into directing a movie. Mm-hmm. This was kind of his big shot because this, if this came out in 88, this would have been right after. I mean, this is basically post the original Terminator and post Aliens, James Cameron's Aliens. So he kind of probably had like the juice at that moment to uh, swoop in and get Did himself. he do Aliens 1 and 2 or just He one? didn't do Or a- just, two, just two? He just did the second one. His biggest contribution to that movie was he designed the Alien Queen. Uh, that shows up at the end of the movie. Uh, ah, yeah, So yeah, that yeah. was his sort of... So, why, so the original design for the alien was by that guy, H.R. Giger. So it's not Stan Winston's original design, but uh, he you know sort what? Of, I don't think I ever realized H.R. Uh, is Giger? it Giger or Geiger? I, I've always heard it as Giger. It could be Geiger. Okay. I've always heard it as Giger. I'm going to say Giger. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I never realized that he was the artist behind alien and that makes so much sense now because it looks exactly like all of his drawings yeah it looks yeah. like all of his artwork yeah it's very mechanical and kind of half a penis and uh yes yeah, and very dark and very 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 dark. very dark yeah yeah all right so Pumpkinhead, 1988 starring lance henriksen i don't recognize him from anything do you Yes, uh, I should have looked him up, but I didn't. I did not recognize sort him. Of... But I did recognize. I did recognize a few other people in the cast that I will talk about later. Oh, cool. Let me know because there's there's one guy in particular I did recognize, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, Lance Henriksen is a. I mean, essentially, he's a character actor. He's been he's been around forever at this point, but he's popped up. He does a lot of genre stuff. He has a very small part in Close Encounters. Um, I assume the reason he's in this movie is because he was in James Cameron's Aliens. He played the robot Wait. bishop. Wait, the android that's on board? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. the one that like betrays like Sigourney Weaver and the rest of the crew. That's the first movie. That's uh, Ian. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was okay, Ian okay, Holm okay. in the first movie. I uh, was just like, wait a minute, that's not him. <laughs> in the second Aliens, he's a bishop. Like basically, they kind of repeat the idea, which is that Ripley meets another robot. And she doesn't trust the bishop because, because of the first one. It was the first one, but Bishop ends up being a good guy and saves her at the end of the movie. So, like, he... wow, is this episode about Pumpkinhead or is this about <laughs> Alien? Because you and I can't shut up about this franchise. It... All right, we're taking a hard pivot here, folks, and we're just going to talk about the Aliens franchise. That, yeah, yeah. You surprise attack, everybody. No one expected it was. You thought be you were here aliens. for Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Guess what? You're not. No, no. I so I mean, I'll shut up about it. But the only reason I was saying, oh it... no, I'm not telling you to shut up. I just think it's funny that both you and I. I have been spending quite a bit of time so far in this podcast talking about aliens. That's right. Next, we're going to talk about ET for fifteen minutes, and then we'll get back to Pumpkinhead eventually. We're but... only going to talk about Pumpkinhead for the past <laughs> five minutes of this podcast. No, but my assumption is that since Lance Henriksen played a uh, robot in Aliens, which Stan Winston did the makeup and they effects, were buds. I'm assuming that's how they met, and that's probably how he got uh, Lance Henriksen to be in Pumpkinhead. All right, so back of the VHS box, mm-hmm. Pumpkinhead is a horror film about a evil demon who, spoiler alert, does not have a pumpkin for a head. <laughs> we'll get to why he's called Pumpkinhead a little a little later in the podcast. Um, about an evil demon named Pumpkinhead that could be summoned by people who have been wronged, wronged in a grievous way that typically involves the death of someone close to them. He can be summoned to take revenge on those who have caused the grievous harm. So in this particular movie, a man by the name of Ed Harley, his son, his little boy, who looks like he's maybe about like nine or ten years old, he's accidentally killed by a group of careless teenagers of the 80s variety (laughs) so 30 year olds yes exactly and ed hartley hartley harley harley it's ed Um, ed harley ed harley goes to the witch of the neighborhood and summons the demon of pumpkin head and pumpkin head enacts revenge on all of these teenagers for killing this child picking them off one by one but in the end Head realizes that he's made a huge mistake and then this is where the movie starts to unfold of how we can stop the unstoppable pumpkin head yes i laugh at the name of the character ed harley for two reasons well to set the stage by is because at a certain point in the movie every time someone calls him by his name they call him by his full name they keep going like oh ed harley you got to do this oh ed harley you have to do that and i was laughing for two reasons one because 
it made me think of Ed Hardy, this terrible t-shirt manufacturing company. Yeah, the gross macho man yeah. dude like, designer. Yeah, like your kind of- Dude kinda, clothing designer. Yeah, so, every, so that was making me laugh. And then if I'm remembering correctly, in one of the Chevy Chase Fletch movies, you know how like Fletch is always like assuming fake identities to kind of get yeah. something? Um, there's a whole scene where he goes to like a biker bar and they're about to like beat up Chevy Chase or something. And so his way is he introduces himself as uh, he goes, I'm Ed Harley from Harley and Davidson. And then like, oh, the I wonder, I don't think it's actually connected, but it's just I kept thinking like it would be <laughs> really funny if uh, Chevy Chase says Ed Harley from either Fletch or Fletch Lives was uh, in the movie. I will say that I enjoyed this movie so much mm-hmm. and I thought it was like one of the better and well done B-Horror out there. And I just feel like naming the thing Pumpkinhead kind of ruined it. Oh, really? Okay. I wish, I wish it had been called something else. I don't know what. Like, it's just like Pumpkinhead just sounds like, I don't know. It just sounds really cute. Like, it almost sounds like something I would maybe call my dog. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be like Pumpkinhead. A, a little in terms and endearment for your dog. Could have called it Gigerhead. It's not designed by H.R. Giger, but, you know. It kind of looks like it's in line with his art. I think it's a cousin. A little bit. I thought Pumpkinhead looked like a cross between the alien from Alien and a testicle. So, like, that was kind of... Oh, God. (laughs) But it paints a picture, right? Now it's a horror movie. Yeah, it does. Now it's a horror movie. Now Pumpkinhead... You know what? Never mind. I will never call my dog Pumpkinhead. (laughs) Sorry. No longer cute. You can call you your dog Pumpkinhead. Pumpkin you can call your dog Pumpkinhead. Pumpkin just, just don't call your dog Testiclehead. You'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Taki, pay no attention to what you just heard. That's all right. I, that wasn't directed at Taki. That was just... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this movie starts off with a flashback. This movie takes place in what I can only imagine is nondescript Americana. I couldn't put my finger on where this movie was, like the Ozarks. It was absolutely intended to be some kind of deep south situation, though it was very much shot somewhere outside of the city limits of Los Angeles because it has big rolling California hills and California, you know, that part where you, not when you're in LA, but when you kind of drive farther out. Um, I guess you're better with U.S. demographics than I am. I'm just like, it's not New York. <laughs> so I don't know where we are. Well, everybody, I mean, Ed <laughs> we Hardy. We could literally be anywhere. Are we still in America? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Ed Hardy is, uh, he's very much a Southern kind of character. It's very Bayou and everyone sort of talks in a really exaggerated Southern accent. Um, very kind of like, um, not even sure how to do it, but all like, you know, like, oh, I went down there to the thing and I saw the saw the pumpkin head come out of the pumpkin patch. And it's like, it's all that kind of. Wow. Yeah. You sound like a local. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the town. Of... I would have never guessed you were from Connecticut. <laughs> never, never. I've never heard of this tri-state area you keep speaking of. Uh, <laughs> Down here in the bayou, we don't get New York City television. I don't know about my Connecticut, New York, New Jersey Honda dealer. So yeah, we start off in this movie with a flashback to wherever in America we are. I was calling it Nilbog in my head while I was watching it, even though I know that's not... It almost is kind of like Nilbog from Troll 2. Mm -hmm. So the movie starts off with a flashback to 1957. Here we have a family living in a little wooden shack. Mm -hmm. It seems very much so like uh, the beginning of a country western song. Um, we got Pa, and we got Ma, and we got a little boy, and it's nighttime, and it's like a rainy, scary night. And we see the the parents; they're very worried, and they're like locking up for the night. And the little boy is just kind of like, "What's happening? Is everybody gonna be okay?" And um, the parents are trying to calm him down and just be like, just don't pay attention to anything that's going on. And then all of a sudden, some dude like comes in out of nowhere outside of the house. He's pounding on the house. He's like, let me in, let me in. You got to help me. And the father, the head of the household, is just like, you get away from my house. Don't make me shoot you. You brought this on yourself. So he refuses to help the dude that is stuck outside. So the dude that's stuck outside is just like left with no choice but to keep running. So we see him leave the house and keep running. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see what we come to find out later is Pumpkinhead. Yes. We see this silhouette of a very scary-looking demon-alien monster type snatch up this man who's running around outside and kill him. And the little boy in the house witnesses it. He watches this happen through the window. Yeah, because when the guy's banging on the door, he's like, let me in, let me in, let me in. And the the father inside the house is like, it's not our business. Just leave it be. 
so the little boy uh, is asking his mother, he's like, why isn't Paul helping him? Why isn't Paul letting him in? And uh, Paul just keeps saying, it's not our business. It's not our business. We can't interfere. So then we flash forward to present day. And by present day, I mean 1988. <laughs> so almost 40 years ago, present day. Damn. And we see the little boy who turns out to be Ed Harley. He is now a grown man. He's still living in the same house, and he is there with his young son, Billy. Yes, there's a, yeah. His young, <laughs> <Add in that. laughs> his young son, Billy, who looked a lot he, uh, to me like uh, Cousin Oliver from those later seasons of the Brady Bunch. He totally did. <laughs> yeah. He did with those glasses and that like blonde hair. Yeah, like a little um, Sean Denver. Oh, <laughs> living in that little shack. Yeah. A wreck of mountain. <laughs> so... Ed is now a grown man. He's living there with his little son, Billy. And he seems to like really care about his son. He seems like he's a really good father. So Ed and his little son, Billy, run like a little country store together. So they live this like little quaint life. It's inferred that the mother has passed away. Yes. Yeah, so we see Ed talking to her gravesite later on in the movie. Mm. But yeah, we never find out why she died. It's yeah. of no consequence. She don't matter. So it's not important. Yeah, she's uh, no. that's a, you got to wait for matter. Pumpkinhead Origins to find out what happened. Uh, but whoa, shit. Did you hear that? An ice cube exploded in my drink. Interesting. We're gonna what want- else will happen on this spooky night? <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. The ice cubes. The were ice sp- was popping in my drink. <laughs> Lightning flashed across the sky. Ice popped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Right when I did that, there was a lightning bolt. I saw it. I just saw it out my window. Isn't that so, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of business they have at the start too is Billy has carved, I don't know, a little sort of a little stick figure guy. It looks like the little stick figures from the Blair Witch Project, yes. to be honest. Yes. So he turns it into like a little necklace and gives it to his dad. Yeah. And his, uh, his and, dad uh, puts it on. Nice dad. I think my it. dad would have been like, what the fuck is this? I'm going <laughs> to cherish- I'm not putting this on. <laughs> I'm going to cherish this forever. Puts it in a junk drawer, just closes it over. That's the last you ever see of it. So. It's like, you can't really expect me to go to work with this now, can you? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I could because I'm six. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, anyways, this is a podcast about horror movies, not my childhood. So back, back to the necklace that Billy made. It looks like a little stick figure from the Blair Witch Project. He makes it with his own two little hands. It gives it to his dad. His dad is like over the moon because he's a good father. Puts it on. Little Billy was like, I just made it for you. He's like, you don't need to wear it all the time or anything. Just when you feel like it. And uh, Ed Harley is he's like, I'll wear it for every day the rest of my life. You sure will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> so then we go to the store with Ed and his kid. And they're going about business until a DeLorean packed with <laughs> 80s teenagers pulls up. Well, it's actually, to be fair, it's two cars. We've got a pickup truck that's carrying a, a bunch of dirt bikes and then followed up by a DeLorean. So it's a group of friends. I think there's like five or six of them. They're all 30-year-old teenagers, <laughs> and they are heading to New Orleans, California for a weekend of fun, hanging out in a cabin in the woods. They have very strong, rich kid, asshole vibes. They're clearly more from the East Coast than anybody in Nilbog or wherever. They're actually referred to as city folk. City folk, right. Later on in the movie. But it's made very clear that they are city folk because they are um, showered and they are wearing colors. (laughs) Yeah. As we come to find out in this movie, everybody from town wears earth tones and they're somehow inexplicably covered in dirt. Yeah. I don't know what these people have been doing all the live long day. Everyone from the old down to the young are just covered in dirt. I think they're like literal dirt farmers. Like, yeah, because it's all it's dirty overalls is pretty much the only thing anybody seems to wear. Yeah, everyone's dressed in brown. Um, either the clothing was originally brown or it was originally a different color and it just turned brown from mm. wearing hair. But everyone is in brown and everyone is covered in dirt. Everybody lives um, in a shack in this thing too. So I kind of think it's probably just because yes. there's rain and mud and stuff coming through every uh, opening of the little shacks everyone lives in. So that's probably why they're... Well, I lived in a 110-year-old brownstone that could never not be dusty and I still <laughs> managed to work some color into my wardrobe. Hello. That's because you're a fashionable city girl. You're not... Yeah, you're not from the... She's from the city. She's from the city. We should give a rundown of uh, the complement of teenagers. 
So we have Joel, who's the driver of the DeLorean, and he's the biggest dick of them all. Yeah, he's like a tough bad boy dick. He, we'll tell you in a little bit why he is such, like, not even just a dick, but like a fucking lunatic. Yeah, he's introduced making his girlfriend open a beer for him while he's driving down the highway. Oh, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have Joel. Joel at first comes off as a dick, and then later on we find out he's a fucking lunatic. We have Chris, who is Joel's brother, who is definitely the more kind-hearted, grounded of the two. Yeah. We have Tracy, who yes. is the turns out to be like the female lead. She becomes our last girl, if you will. Right. And then we have some we have like a few other characters, nondescript guy, uh, girlfriend of Joel, and Crazy Jesus Girl. I wanna I think her name's Maggie. Let's say it's I don't Maggie. know why I remember that. But those people are really of no consequence. Like the one guy whose name I don't remember, he ends up being last man standing with Tracy, but he really doesn't much movie. Uh, so I actually do know who that guy is. Oh, Car- you do? Yes. So am I going to eat my words? You're like, that guy is Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, like, oh. It's way nerdier than that. So the character's name is Chris, but the mm. actor who plays him. Chris is the brother. Oh, right. Okay. You mean the guy with the curly hair? The guy with the curly hair. You're right. Yeah, I, I don't wrong. remember his name. We'll call it Curly if you want. Uh, curly yeah. is played by Jeff East, and Jeff okay. East, in certain circles of nerdery, is famous for he is the guy who played young Clark Kent in the opening of the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie. No way! In which they put him in a wig and a fake nose to look as much like Christopher Reeve as he possibly could. And then when they were done making the movie, Christopher Reeve came in and redubbed all of his dialogue. So it would be Christopher Reeve's voice in the yeah. younger scenes. So, and that is Jeffy. So Jeffy's uh, young Clark Kent or Superboy, if you will. <laughs> there are a lot of people in this movie that kind of go on to more well-known things mm-hmm. that I will reveal as we go throughout the movie. One of them I will reveal right now. Ooh, ooh tell us, tell us. So when we are at the country store after the shitty teenagers have shown up, they've stopped by to like pick up some snacks and supplies or whatever to go up to the cabin. Joel the dick pulls off one of the dirt bikes from the pickup truck and he's like, I'm going to ride this around. And it's just like, that's cool. Let your friends go in and do all of the grocery shopping and work. You go fuck around on the dirt bike. So he leaves. The teens are inside their shopping. We see a family of locals pull up dressed in brown and covered head to toe in dirt. Patriarch of the family. (laughs) This is my Sunday dirt. (laughs) This is my church dirt. This is my dirt finery. I I got it at a local (laughs) haberdashery. Oh, I love this dirt. What is this? Is this imported dirt? So this family pulls up. Apparently they have like some sort of account at the general store and the patriarch, Mr. Wallace, Wallace and family, they go to pick up whatever it is that they need to pick up, but it's not there. So Ed Hartley promises to swing by later and drop off whatever it is that is not there that they need. It was feed. It was like livestock feed. Or, or dirt. It was dirt. A bag of dirt. more dirt. Than more it's more of- dirt. He's like, my dirt farm needs more dirt. The kids are heading back to school dirt. soon. We yeah. need uh, some new clothes for him. Can you bring a big old bag of dirt by the bayou? Yeah. <laughs> So while this is happening, the kids are outside. The older kids are teasing the youngest kid. But before I tell you what they're teasing him about, I was watching the kids teasing the youngest child, a boy. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls looked really familiar. It's fucking Blossom. Oh, shit. It's Mayim Bialik. Oh, man. Oh, damn. Yeah. So like I went to the IMDb, Uh verified that it was her, found out that this is in fact her first feature film. Oh, wow. But I recognized her from just like the chanting. This is the only scene that we see her in. And she's just like running circles around this little boy. Mm-hmm. And they're all freaking him out talking about Pumpkinhead. So this is the first time we hear about Pumpkinhead. So all the older kids are teasing him and chanting that Pumpkinhead's going to come get him. Right. So yeah, one of the kids is Blossom. I had no idea. I even wrote down in my notes, it's Blossom! <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Aren't you supposed to do a Joey Lawrence whoa when you find out that it's her? Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> I was so stoked. I was just like, because you only see like a little part of her face. She has no like standalone lines mm-hmm. of her own. So I felt pretty, pretty, 
pretty proud of wow, myself. Wow, good. That I was like, that's oh, great. It's awesome. You got good eyes so, yeah, for this. Awesome. I had no idea. I did not pick it. Is there anything she can't do? Host Jeopardy, be in horror movies from 30 years ago. Play a young Bette Midler. <laughs> Have a successful TV show for a few years in the 90s. <laughs> Go to Harvard or something. She was she, she one of those people who like, yeah, went to Harvard. she's like a smarty pants. Right, right. She's a smarty pants. Might be like an anti-vaxxer, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Oh, there's that. You know. I think she... You know what? I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't know. I heard somewhere that she backtracked on the anti-vax thing and is now anti-anti-vax, but I haven't done my research, so I'm We'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Also, like, I think I heard about that on Twitter and, you know, that's not the most accurate place on, you know. I didn't even check Twitter. (laughs) I don't even know where I heard this from. Whispers on the streets. (laughs) On the dark web. Dog moms talking at the dog park. (laughs) Um, So... The kids are teasing this little boy about Pumpkinhead coming to get him. The kid's getting freaked out, but another person's getting freaked out too. It's Tracy, the teen girl right. from the group. She's listening to them chanting Pumpkinhead and unnerves her too. And she finally yells, Stop right. it. She's the Jesus y character or she's not the Jesus? No, Jesus y character is Maggie who okay. loses her mind later right. and just uh, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue. She ends up dying pretty quickly. Yeah. Um like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to keep that. <laughs> I want to keep that in. (laughs) Oh, my God. So then the dad is just like, I'll bring it by later. And he actually goes to like pick up whatever it is that he's supposed to have had for the Walls family. Chicken feed. Yeah. Um, And dirt. Chicken feed dirt. So he leaves Billy in the store to mind the store because, I mean, of course, a seven-year-old boy should be watching a store by himself. Hey, child labor laws never came to the bayou. That's big city. You find city folk with your child labor laws. And your nannies. And your requirements for children to be in school. Yeah. Down here in the bayou. Your parental supervision. (laughs) Your your wellness checks. With your daycare. Your eight-hour work days. (laughs) Ain't nobody in the swamp got time for that. So, as you recall earlier, I said that there was a dog. What's the dog's name? Daisy? Uh, I don't remember. We'll say it's Daisy. Sure. So, yeah, the little kid is in the store with the dog, and at this point now, Dickhead Jewel's brother has pulled a dirt bike off of the wreck and has joined him. So they're both dirt biking around now. So the dog runs out of the store. The dog starts running towards the dirt bikes because he's like attracted to the noise or whatever. So little Billy runs out of the store, runs after his dog, and the dirt bikes come over the hill and accidentally knock Billy over and mortally wound him. Yeah, it's not entirely clear exactly if the dirt bike like landed on Billy or if Billy got like kind of, I don't know, like hit his head on one of their tires or something. It's sort of the, the framing of it is a little ambiguous, but... Little... Which I'm fine with. I don't really need to see a little kid get run over. Oh, yeah. I don't need to see a dirt bike land on a kid. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll leave it right to there. To continue our Brady Bunch theme, the dirt bike landing on a kid equivalent of that football that hits Marsha in the face. It's sort mm. of not exactly mm-hmm. actually anywhere near her, but it, but it's enough to imply that... Uh, enough to imply that serious damage has been done. Yeah. So Joel, the dick, <laughs> the one that hit him, who earlier had made fun of this kid's glasses... Yeah. Classy, classy move, man. That's how you know you're he's like a dick. fucking thirty. <laughs> this kid's ten. You're making fun of his glasses. Even his friends and his brother are just like, Jesus, shut the fuck up. The only thing that was missing was that like he should have called him Point Dexter and given him a wedgie or something. Like it would have been a yeah. It's just like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Well, remember, he was drunk at this point. He was dehydrated from all the beer he was drinking on the on the. Drive I can't over. think straight. When I get this dehydrated, I just make fun of children. It's my go-to. <laughs> So Joel is the one that knocks him over. So everybody is freaking out because the kid is hurt. Mm. Joel is freaking out because he apparently is already on probation for another accident that involved him drinking and driving. So he's immediately just like, if this comes to light, I am in big fucking trouble. So he jumps in the DeLorean with his girlfriend (laughs) and they book it. He completely abandons all of the actual genuine people who are looking after the safety of the young kid. 
the people that stay are freaking out. They're just like, Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? They run into the store to try to find a phone. Uh, there's no phone in the store. I don't know why, but there is not. <laughs> and um, they're like, let's go to the cabin and we'll call the police from there. Chris, the sensible brother, agrees to stay with the child because at this point he's still alive. And then Ed Harley comes back from dropping off the dirt slash chicken feed. And he comes- Picking it up. All oh, right, picking sorry, it up. picking it up. And he comes around and he sees Chris and the kid in the field and Chris is waving him over and Ed Harley comes around the corner, sees the guy waving at him and just, you know, starts walking over. But then it starts to sink in that he realizes his kids on the ground. Yeah. So then he runs over. He's very panicked, you know, and he sees his son and he picks up his son and he's going to carry him back to the house. And the brother, Chris, is sort of like, is there anything I can do to help? He's like, it was an accident. You know, what can I do? And Ed shoots some daggers. Yeah, Ed just turns around and is like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So the thing I don't understand here, surely there's no closer place to go use a phone than driving all the way to that fucking cabin, which is the way that the movie portrays that the cabin is really, really, really far away. Right, right. And then two, this child... Mm -hmm. Billy is still alive. Ed takes Billy home and puts him to bed. I'm just like, where are the police? Right. Where's the hospital? Where's the ambulance? Well, I think- I realize some of these resources are scarce, but I would think <laughs> that you would drive your child to the hospital, not just be like, I'm going to take you home and tuck you into bed. I think, Donna, you're bringing big city thinking to I the bayou. I know. That I'm a big city girl. Yeah. I think- I'm not abiding by bayou law. <laughs> I think the dirt code is that- uh, you keep- What it's called? I'm, I'm going to say. It's like Roadhouse. Yeah, it's like right. Yeah, it's like the- It's, it's like, like Roadhouse, but with demons. No, what was the one we watched to- uh, Not Roadhouse, the other Ooh. one. Next of Kin. We watched, remember? Yeah. But I remember that all the hillbilly guys keep saying, like, it's the hillbilly code. It's the hillbilly code. Yeah. Yes. So I think Ed Harley operates- it's on the hillbilly code, which is, I guess, don't call ambulances. Well, they all operate on the hillbilly code because right after this, his son dies. See, this is, I was a little confused on that. Yeah, because he brings Billy back to the house. He's sort of cradling Billy and Billy says something. He says, daddy. Okay. And then he dies. Because it didn't read to me visually as like he said, daddy or whatever, and then died. It read to me as oh, he yeah. stirred and said, hey, daddy. He says, daddy, and then like goes limp. Oh, okay. And that's when Ed starts sobbing. Okay. I must have missed that or visually misread it or something. So then Ed puts Billy in the car and puts a blanket over him. He goes to, and this is like going back to like Hillbilly Code from Next of Kin. (laughs) He goes under the guise of like dropping off the feed or dirt. He talks to Mr. Wallace by himself and he was like, I need to know where the witch lives. So this is the first time we hear that there's like a witch in the town. And Wallace is like, I don't know where she lives. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he lifts up the blanket and shows his dead son. Wallace is like, what happened? And he's like, city kids killed him. Because Wallace had seen the city kids in the store earlier. Mm -hmm. And Wallace is like shocked, but he's still like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's not someone you want to be dealing with. And then he says to Ed, Go home and bury your boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck did he fuck? Like, you, okay, so then that's it. So city folk roll in, they kill your kid, and all you got to do is just go home and bury your boy. Where's the justice? <laughs> I just want justice for Billy. Right, right. That's well, what I want. But I think Mr. Harris's vibe is just like, if you try to get justice for your boy... You're going to bring in more city folk or like you don't want to mess with any more city folk because you'll disrupt life. They'll run you over too. Yeah, like they'll bring a dirt bike down on his head too. And so I think it's more just like, we don't want any trouble. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to land a house on you too. (laughs) I've done way too much Southern accent in this show already. I need to cut it out. I think it should be clear. We're not making fun of actual people from the South. We're making fun of of Hollywood's idea of weird Southern jug band. Nondescript South. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get back to the Wallace family in a minute. Mm. But let's go back to the cabin where the 30-year-old teenagers are. So everybody's already rolled up. Joel's already there. Dickhead Joel's already there. Him and his girlfriend have hightailed it there immediately. Chris, the logical brother, has stayed behind with Billy. So he has a dirt bike. So he comes in a little later. But we have all the teenagers who have some sort of conscience roll up. They run into the cabin to try and call the police. 
And as soon as Tracy picks up the phone, Joel rips the, the, the line out of the wall. The phone cord right out of the wall. It's an argument over, you know, should we do the moral thing and call the police? But Dickhead yeah. Joel is all like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm not going to prison for some... For some little kid who wears glasses. Yeah. <laughs> he really hates children who wears glasses. <laughs> so there's a physical altercation and the people who want to call the police end up getting locked in the closet by Joel because Joel is not going to jail. Chris shows up, sees that their friends are locked in the closet, and he's just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? And then Joel's interrogating him about what the dad said, and he is just like, the dad looked pissed. And then we go back to the Wallace house. Back at the Wallace house, Ed begrudgingly accepts the fact that Papa Wallace is not going to tell him where the witch is. So he goes to leave, but then the oldest son of the Wallace clan runs out, and he's like, I overheard you talking to my dad, and I know where she lives. Mm-hmm. If you give me some money, I'll take you halfway. So he does, and they do. Right. And Ed finds the witch. What was that son's name? I can't remember what that son's name was. Something Buck? with H? Buck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the son, yeah, his name is Buck. We'll say. I think his name's Buck. Let's call him Buck. We always make up names for characters. Why stop now? So I have to say, this was a fun moment in the movie. This is where I started to warm to this movie. I mean, I knew there was going to be a pumpkin head in this movie, but I didn't realize there was going to be like old witches and like lots of fog banks and stuff. So I was very excited when the witch showed up. Me too. Oh, this is one note I did have when they pull up to the witch's house. She lives in kind of like an old shack, definitely in a sort of a swampy land. I wrote in my notes that it looked like she lived on Dagobah you know, the planet where Yoda's from. Because <laughs> it's definitely a half-sunken house in a swampy swamp. So Ed finds the witch. He talks to the witch, and basically he shows her his dead son and says, that I want you to bring him back. And she's like, I'm not in the business of bringing back the dead. I saw Frankenhooker and Pet Cemetery <laughs> this week in theaters, and I've decided that I'm not going to be in the business of that anymore because they don't come back normal. It's not a good idea. Just bad news bears. She's like, but I can help you get revenge on the people that have killed your son. Are you interested in that? And Ed says, yes. So there's a blood ritual that happens between father and son in order for her to do this revenge spell that she's about to do. Mm-hmm. So bada boom, bada bing, there's blood, there's spell. She goes to the graveyard to a pumpkin patch graveyard. She digs up Pumpkinhead, and this is when we find out why he's called Pumpkinhead. He's buried in a cemetery that is a pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. It is not because he has the actual head of a pumpkin. That was sort of explained in a fantastic way because I think somebody does say something like, oh, you go to the uh, cemetery that's right next to a pumpkin patch or the pumpkin patch oh, in the cemetery. Oh, Ed. she makes Ed go right. and dig him up. Sorry. She makes Ed go dig him up and bring him back. And she's already like concocted her witchy concoction. Right. So Ed comes back with what looks like Pumpkinhead's rotted shriveled corpse it was like you know those things you used to get out of the 25 cent machines the little bubble and it would look like a little dinosaur and you put it in water and then Mm -hmm. it fills up water and turns into a big dinosaur it looked like the pre-hydrated version of that like this is true it almost looked like a little alien like a little like gray alien with the big eyes it's like if an alien was put through like a food dehydrator (laughs) right those things that you use to make organic fruit roll-ups and your own beef jerky (laughs) Exactly. So she pours the blood concoction all over Pumpkinhead. Mini Pumpkinhead becomes full-grown Pumpkinhead. Ed passes out from lack of blood and I think overload of seeing Pumpkinhead in its full form. Pumpkinhead takes off to go start doing his business of taking out these kids one by one. Uh, Let me know if I'm getting ahead of anything here, but it's inferred that Pumpkinhead's like a wind-up toy. Like you wind them up for revenge and you let them go. And you yes. sort of have to, you just have to. And there's no stopping him. There's no stopping him. You just have to let him kind of go out and do Don't his revenge. Stop me now. <laughs> I have a pumpkin head. And I'll do my revenge. <laughs> Don't stop him. Don't stop him. Don't stop him. A pumpkin, a pumpkin, a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was the song that played while he was killing everyone. <laughs> so. Long story short, Pumpkinhead takes off for the cabin. Pumpkinhead knows who he needs to get revenge on and where they are at. So he hightails it to the cabin and starts picking off the kids one by one. 
Um, this was a really enjoyable part of the movie because Pumpkinhead does not waste any fucking time. He just gets down to the business of revenge. And uh, what I really loved about this movie is an hour and a half long, and it gets right into it. There's no. It wasn't like um, 976 Evil where the action happened until the hour mark. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Pumpkinhead just goes for it, and he's and I think the first person he gets is. Um, Chris, Chris, the good brother, the good which brother. is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And it's also kind of unfortunate that all of these teens, with the exception of Joel, are actually, well, Joel's girlfriend is kind of a dum-dum that really is kind of a waste of space. But all the other kids are actually like pretty nice kids that like didn't want this to happen and wanted to do the right thing. And it, for one reason or another, it didn't work out. It's sort of, it's the rare horror movie that does make all of these kids very sympathetic. And yeah, there's this movie where I was just like, oh, this is like a movie where I don't want to see everyone die because they actually seem like they're kind of nice people. They never even have a chance to like get down to partying. Like there's no like they're partying and doing drugs and having sex and therefore you want Pumpkinhead to get them. It's like, it's the one dick who really puts all of his friends in Pumpkinhead's way. It's all Joel's fault. (laughs) But Pumpkinhead also grabs one of the girls at one point, and there's this really great shot where, like, because Pumpkinhead's kind of maneuvers that he, I think he kind of hides up in the trees, and he kind of jumps down, and he grabs you by your head. He's like MasterCard. He's he's everywhere you you want him to be. Yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of Predator's move. He hides up high up in the top of the trees, and then he swoops down, grabs you by your noggin with his big old claw, and just pulls you up and away from the action. And there's just this one shot where he grabs one of the girls, and he sort of like goes up to the roof and like disappears on the other side of the cabin. And what's so funny is, you, is there's this one shot where you see her legs kind of kicking. And you see your two yeah, legs. Yeah, like yes, <laughs> you see your like two legs just like kick up over the roof and then disappear. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it looked very much like a Muppet or something getting pulled over the thing. But yeah, he's got moves, Pumpkinhead. So the kids are starting to get picked off one by one. And it turns out that there's some sort of like psychic connection between Ed and Pumpkinhead because every time one of these kids are killed ed witnesses it yes so now that ed is starting to see the kids be killed one by one he's coming to his senses the bloodlust is wearing off and mm-hmm. he's just like oh shit this isn't good this isn't what i wanted As- and he actually ends up going back to the witch's house and he's just like i wanted revenge but not like this which made me think how did you want revenge right 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 I just, How did you picture that then? If that's if this isn't what you wanted, what did you want the scary demon to do? Give them a lecture about drinking and driving? Yeah, he wanted. It to, turns into like a fucking dare meeting. Yeah, like a PSA. He Pumpkinhead would sit in a chair that he'd turn around backwards and sit down in, and then sort of lean in and be like, "So you guys have drunk drive. You've been drinking. You've been driving. You've been I'm killing like, kids. was the revenge? Yeah, supposed to be you were gonna bore them to death. Like, so I don't understand how Ed was like." Just to throw I want it like this. Just to throw um just a little background on that, because there's a little foreshadowing of that earlier, because when Ed is at the witch's house initially and saying, I want you to do this for me, I need to get revenge, she says something like, You have to understand, like there's a great price that you will pay for this. She's like, You don't just get your revenge. Mm. Like I don't just bring back pumpkin head and you get your revenge. You don't just revenge. get it for free. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a personal price that you will pay. And that sort of deliberately left ambiguous at the time. To me, it was kind of a nod from like the movie E.T., like when Elliot and E.T. sort of start to form like a psychic bond. So like anytime E.T.'s scared by something, Elliot gets scared. Or anytime Elliot does something, like when E.T. drinks all that beer and Elliot gets drunk, they become psychically linked. So that's kind of what's happening with... uh, Andrew, you'd have your work cut out with you for you with sound for this because right now it sounds like someone's throwing rocks at my window. Yeah, we'll just say this for listeners. Donna and I are recording this in the middle of a really heavy-duty rainstorm. I can hear that in the background, but yeah, if you're hearing weird noise in the background, we have a lot of rain hitting our apartments and we had gurgling in my sink from that, maybe possibly overflowing. So there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> No weather elements are going to stop us from getting horror reviews to you. If it makes you at home feel better, you can just pretend it's Pumpkinhead trying to get in and stop us from reviewing this film. Nothing's going to stop us. Um, Mannequin. So one of the things that I really loved about the scene where Ed is back at the witch's house, Mm -hmm. did you notice that all of a sudden him and the witch are both fucking repeating everything they say at each other twice? 
<laughs> did you notice that? No, I did I not. I was fucking dying. I had to watch the scene over again because I was like, did that just really happen? Or was <laughs> like, it like did I have a weird like brain glitch? They literally said everything twice at each other. The only line I wrote down, but there's so many more lines. The only thing I wrote down was when she tells him, like, she can't stop. He's like, you got to stop it. And she's like, I can't. He's like, God damn you. God damn you. And she says, he already has. (laughs) And then there's a beat and she's like, he already has. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But Literally, that whole scene, everything is said twice. It was a real uh, repetition is their job. Their job is repetition. Repetition is their job. That's like a weird screenwriter thing is you want to underline a point or something or let the audience know that something is very serious is you always have the characters say it twice. So, you know, I hope he gets out of here one day. And it's what you know, he already did. He already already did. Yeah, like I think that's like just a lazy screenwriting trope for underlining it. It's hilarious. It was a, literally that whole scene. They say almost every line back at each other well, twice. We did say this movie was what only eighty-seven minutes long, so maybe they're kind of like, how do we, how do we stretch this out a little bit? We don't have as much pumpkin head raw footage as we expected to. As we expected to. <laughs> as, as we expected, we expected to. to. Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin head too. Pumpkin head. Yeah, so Carol King, which lady, repeats everything. And Ed Harley can't believe that the pumpkin head demon that he brought back to do revenge is now out doing revenge. So he decides to take matters into his own hands. He's decided to enact a little hillbilly code (laughs) on his behalf and grabs a shotgun and goes and goes out or i'm wondering how he knows where the cabin is but i think because he has the psychic link to pumpkin head maybe he knows where the cabin is i don't know mm-hmm. but all of a sudden ed shows up at the cabin and at this point like all of the kids are dead including piece of shit joel is also dead <laughs> right. he goes out to the cabin and to try and stop pumpkin head before everyone is dead so yeah joel kids left. joel tries to have a little moment of clarity for his conscience because joel is being nothing but a dick i mean he's locked those two people in the closet so that they won't go out and call the cops on him and everything and then it's very abrupt but he sort of just stands up and he's just like it's time for me to face up to what i think joel realizes this after he's watched his brother and one of the friends die right oh okay right and oh and Pumpkinhead has stolen his girlfriend but she's not dead yet he's taken her up into the trees so at this point he's just like this is my fault i'm gonna like make amends for this so he runs outside and he's just like i'm the one you want but it doesn't fucking matter because pumpkin head is out for blood so he kills the girlfriend and then kills him and this is around the time that ed harley shows up mm. and he shoots pumpkin head and it does nothing right but what we do see happen during this scene there's two kids remaining he gets the two kids in the truck and he's like i'll take you to safety we'll figure this out But what we do see at this point is that the dog bites Ed and we see it affect Pumpkinhead. Right, right. It's the E.T. So this is the point where we're like, oh, they're like really connected. Mm -hmm. Not only is Ed being able to witness the deaths, but Pumpkinhead's feeling the effects of like any physical pain that Ed experiences. Much like another famous hillbilly, William Jefferson Clinton. He feels the pain of various pumpkin heads. (laughs) All you pumpkin heads. Oh, so Ed rescues the two remaining kids and like takes them back to the house. And at this point, our dirt covered friend Buck is in tow. Mm -hmm. Buck had earlier tried to save the two remaining kids as well. He took them to an abandoned church. Logic being the demon won't walk on sacred ground. Guess what? Demon doesn't give a shit. Yeah. I thought this was one of the more effective sequences in the movie. The church is pretty dilapidated, so it's it's mostly the framework of the church is still standing. And, they, you know, the whole thing where they, they go in, quote unquote, inside the church, and he's like, Pumpkinhead won't come in here because it's holy, and Pumpkinhead shows up. And the directing was pretty strong in this, the way Pumpkinhead sort of approaches and pauses, and he takes the one foot in, and he's like, nope, I can totally go in there. And I just, I thought it was a pretty effectively uh, shot and directed sequence. And then Buck has marked himself as wanted as well, because in Pumpkinhead lore, anybody who tries to help those who are being hunted by Pumpkinhead in turn set themselves up for being hunted as well, which is why when we're at the beginning of the movie during the flashback, 
Ed, Harley's dad won't let that dude into the house. So now our friend Buck is also up shit creek without a paddle and he's blunted too. So Ed hides out the Tracy, uh, Curly, and, <laughs> and Buck. Superboy Curly. Yes. So Pumpkinhead ends up showing back up at the house and starts attacking everyone. Ed has a flamethrower put together and he goes and lights up Pumpkinhead nothing happens Pumpkinhead is still like i'm good i'm gonna kill these kids we notice a physical change with Pumpkinhead in this sequence because when ed's using the flamethrower on Pumpkinhead, you're beginning to notice that Pumpkinhead's bulbous head as we've known it through the whole movie is starting to change ever so slightly and he's actually now taking on a visual similarity to lance henriksen and we see that on the flip side, Ed is starting to like get a little bit of demon face. Right. And really in this scene is when like two and two come together, Ed accidentally like catches his arm on a pitchfork mm-hmm. and wounds himself. And we see Pumpkinhead react in pain as well. We as the viewers have already seen this with the dog attack. But this is the first time that Ed right. sees what happens. And Ed starts putting two and two together and it's just like, oh, Pumpkinhead and I are connected. If I want to end this, I'm going to have to kill myself. He's realizing the price that the spooky witch had intimated earlier. So this is when the prophecy (laughs) comes together. The weird foreshadowing that the witch had said that everything comes with a price. The price is that Ed is now going to become the new pumpkin head. Right. Pumpkin Ed, if you will. Pumpkin Ed! Yes! Yes! Pumpkin Head 2, Pumpkin Ed on the move. The quickening. Um. <laughs> so, long story short, Ed goes to kill himself to like end Pumpkin Head attacking everyone. Right. I guess he kind of like grazes himself in the head with a bullet. He doesn't quite kill himself because we see Pumpkinhead get back up and go after Tracy, last girl standing. Or no, goes after Curly. Right. Or Buck. I don't know. Goes after someone that's not. I think he attacks Curly. I don't think Curly dies, but I think he's down and out for the count because he's been attacked. And then it falls on, what was her name? Linda? Tracy. Tracy. It falls on Tracy to, to then pick up the gun. Yeah, and sh- and like really shoot Ed. Yeah. So like Ed is still on the ground. He's still kind of alive. Tracy has been watching him, seeing what he's doing, realizes that, oh yeah, you guys are connected. The only way that we're going to end this is if you're dead. So then she picks up the gun, kills Ed. Ed dies. Pumpkinhead bursts into flame. Yeah. Don't you feel at this moment in the film that it's all well and good for Ed to produce a gun that he tries to sort of shoot himself with to kill Pumpkinhead, but I really thought that there was a missed opportunity to not bring back the motocross dirt bike and maybe drive that over Ed's head. I just, you know, would have been a little nod back to the motocross bike having caused all the trouble in the first place. Killed his son. Would have been nice. One of the things that I did enjoy earlier in this film mm-hmm. was when Curly tried to escape via motorbike and Pumpkinhead shows up and he's holding the motorbike chain in his hand. And I was just like, Pumpkinhead knows how bikes work. You actually just grabbed one of my uh, three key takeaways. I was, I was. Ah, uh, sorry, dude. That's yeah, all right. I had to talk about it more if you want. I had it written down, and then I was like, "Does Pumpkinhead know basic automotive repair?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Was... What can't that guy do? <laughs> he knows it all, folks. <laughs> yeah, and Curly's fuck. Curly, you ain't going nowhere without that chain. <laughs> so Ed is dead. Pumpkinhead aflame. <laughs> Teens in safety, Buck included. And then we forward to a scene where we see the witch carrying what looks like the same little decrepit, shrunken dinosaur bath time toy Mm -hmm. to the grave to be reburied in the pumpkin patch. Only this time it has Lance Henriksen's hair. And it is wearing... The Blair Witch Project stick figure necklace that we see Ed get in the beginning of the film. So now Ed is Pumpkin Ed. Yeah, he's the seed that from which a Pumpkin Ed will spring forth when someone else wants to commit revenge later. My only issue with this particular little moment is when Ed dies, 
he's just Lance Henriksen, but dead. Like he's just a full size Lance Henriksen. I'm not quite sure how within, you know, a couple of hours he shrinks down. It's the power of the pumpkin. Do you think uh, the witch put Ed in that jerky maker you were referring to earlier? And that's what shrunk maybe him down? She, maybe she has that. Yeah. She's like, earlier today I made some fruit roll-ups <laughs> and now I'm making a new pumpkin head. Pumpkin Ed. <laughs> I wonder if that was a joke on set. It had to have been. I mean, they didn't have Ed Hardy jokes to make at that point because it was 30 years ago. So they had to make some sort of a joke with the name. Man, I would really love to work on a horror film. I just think it'd be so fun. We could write one called Pumpkin Ed and just not, you know, it's just different <laughs> enough that we don't have to like pay money for the rights for Pumpkin Ed. We can just do it. This is by no means affiliated with Pumpkin Head. It's totally different. It's a completely different idea. It's a good, he's actually. Also, we have no money. So. And Pumpkin Ed is actually dug up from a cantaloupe patch, not a, uh, not a pumpkin patch. So. He's cantaloupe arm. Yeah. It's a very different idea. Totally different idea. Totally different. <laughs> completely squash leg <laughs> squash squash <head. laughs> squash toe ew lettuce face squash toe yeah <laughs> and uh gourd elbow <laughs> gordon the gourd now that just sounds like a children's show uh, gordon the gourd he teaches you to eat healthier oh my god we can cut that out that doesn't that's not funny at all <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready? Ain't nothing to it but to do it. (laughs) Here we go. Our three key takeaways. So, you swooped in. I didn't prepare any. You didn't prepare any. I didn't prepare any takeaways, which is unlike me. I literally forgot until we just started talking earlier. It's okay. I don't have a good excuse. I can maybe try and make something up on the spot, but I'm not going to. I have I, no excuse. I just didn't. I think you're completely excused at this point because you are, because you're absolutely right. You are very on top of this normally. You always come well prepared. I'm usually the one who forgets to do it or only does half of them or something like that. So uh, I think it's totally fine. So my reveals that I was going to reveal earlier when I said like my Bialik yes was one of the Wallace kids right. and I said I had more. Um, I was going to re- reveal them piecemeal throughout the episode, but I've held those cards close. These can be your me. three key takeaways. Be your- and these are my three key takeaways. Yeah. So I'm just going to rattle them off. Okay, go for it. Who are reveal one. to us who these people are? Number one. Hmm? The kid who plays young Ed Hartley at the very beginning of the movie in 1957 right. also plays the little boy Laddie from Lost Boys, the little vampire boy. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I had no idea. There you go. Number two, the little girl who plays Hesse, yes. who's one of the Wallace kids mm-hmm. that tries to tell Buck, don't go out the window and see if Pumpkinhead's real. It's not a good idea. Right. You may not remember this, but she played Sharon in my so-called life. And I was obsessed <laughs> with that show when it was on the air because I was the perfect age for it. When that yeah. show was on the air, Claire Danes's character, her character's 15. I was 15. Right. I was just like, this show is, is about me, for me. Love this show. Well, Sharon is Claire Danes's uptight friend from a couple of years previous when Claire was just like kind of this like straight-laced mm. junior high kid. And then like the whole thing about my so-called life is she dyes her hair red and starts hanging out with these alternatines mm-hmm. and kind of leaves Sharon in the dust. And Sharon's like, I don't understand. We're such oh, good friends. Like a, like a freaks Why and geeks you- situation. Yeah, why won't you come with me in a math club anymore? <laughs> like that kind of vibe. So the little girl that played Hesse ends up playing Sharon on My So-Called Life. That's which great. I freaked out about that because I adored My So-Called Life. That's really good. And three, mm-hmm. my last key takeaway mm-hmm. was the dog in this movie <laughs> whose real name is Mushroom. Mushroom. Also played the dog in Gremlins. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so we got people playing all sorts of roles left and right. How the hell did you know that Mushroom is the same dog uh, from Gremlins? A little thing I like to call research. (laughs) That's great. I feel bad because I've never seen my so-called life, but I do know the dog from Gremlins. I'm not surprised. (laughs) You're massively older than me. 
I'm not massively. I'm just <laughs> I know, I know. It's a joke. Listeners, Andrew's like three years older than me. But, you know, when you're that age, you were like an 18-year-old guy when this came out. Yeah. That show's not your demographic. No, it wasn't my demographic. Or that you're not the demographic for that show. I was perfect demographic for that show. Everything about that show spoke to me. It was like, oh my God, your so-called life is my so-called life too. Uh, So yeah, I I was obsessed with that show. You just did a pumpkin head style double thing. You were like, you're like. Obsessed with that show. (laughs) Obsessed with that show. So those are my three cake takeaways. Boom, boom, boom. That's really good. Celebs, they're everywhere. Cele- yeah. And celebs, they can be people or they can be dogs. Or little boy vampires. Or boy vampires. <laughs> or uptight high school sophomores. <laughs> it's a rich depth. They're everywhere. <laughs> all right. So my three key takeaways, one of them you, you uh, actually got Sorry. to. No, it's all right. So you already got to that one. And that was the one about Pumpkinhead knowing basic automotive repair. My second takeaway was going to be one of my positive takeaways because I, I like to, you know, I like to say nice things when there's nice things to be said. And um, Stan Winston, for a guy who never directed a movie before, and my understanding was that this was a movie made on a budget. It was not a massively expensive movie. Um I think he made a pretty good-looking movie. Um, I mean, it, and he made a good-looking monster. Yeah, it's a good-looking monster. I mean, clearly, as a guy who did monster makeups and and sort of creature effects, you could tell he brought that skill to bear. Because I think Pumpkinhead, the creature, was shot very well in this movie, and it is effectively creepy-looking. And as I mentioned before, the sequence that takes place in the church, I thought, you know, it was pretty suspenseful. So I, I will say for a movie that was not made for a ton of money by a first time director, I think he acquitted himself in that department pretty well. For sure. It's definitely one of the better B movies I've seen in a while. And I'm actually like kind of surprised that it's taken me this long to watch this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And my third key takeaway um, I did eventually like the twist of Ed Harley having a sort of psychic connection to Pumpkinhead and there was sort of being a price to pay. I think it was a good idea. I don't know if the way they do it in the movie 100% always worked for me. The reason I say that is because they set Ed up. I mean, Ed, Ed's all set up. He's set up. They accidentally kill his kid. He's distraught. He goes for the revenge. And as you had mentioned earlier, within five minutes, he goes from, I want revenge, summon the pumpkin head to, actually, I changed my mind. I don't, I don't want to do revenge. We need to stop this. And I think sort of once Pumpkinhead gets going and once Ed has sort of made that decision that he, oops, my bad, I didn't mean to uh, unleash uh, revenge, <laughs> he sort of ceases to really be much of a character. And I think he became a very passive character after that point. I would have juiced it up a little bit more by maybe doing like an Incredible Hulk kind of thing. Where he maybe goes to the- Ooh, what if Pumpkinhead and Ed had like a face off? Yeah, but I, but I was also thinking like... Ed, and like Pumpkinhead at this point is half Ed and Ed is half Pumpkinhead. Something like that. Definitely something where you put more of the idea of Ed turns into Pumpkinhead, does episodes of revenge, and then turns back into Ed. And he's like, oh shit, I didn't know you were going to turn me into a creature. I thought you were going to summon a creature. Like, I think they could have done a thing where you, some kind of a transformation... I think psychic connection worked okay. I think it worked well, but I think it would have kept Ed a more active character had he actually been the one turning full on into pumpkin head and then reverting back because then it could have been a whole thing where he's like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I have to figure out how do I stop it? How do I fight myself? And then, it would make sense if Ed was Pumpkinhead, right. if he became Pumpkinhead, yeah. then for him being like, yo, like this isn't what I signed up for. Right. But to like have Pumpkinhead unleashed and then be like, this isn't what I wanted. It's like, well, what kind of revenge did you want? Though? Yeah, I, it's, it's such an abrupt change and it's such a sort of turn on a dime thing that I just like they either needed to expand that. They either needed him to be a little more bloodthirsty for a little bit longer before he has a change of heart or they needed to somehow. Yeah, because, yeah, he does. He becomes kind of a passive character and. And not really a wholly admirable one, to be perfectly honest with you. Like there, there, yeah. there's a way to make him more of a tragic figure than sort of a guy who brought it on himself. 
Andrew, again, we got to quit our jobs. We got to write these films. I know. It's all about structure for me. And it's all, you know, it's okay. <laughs> You're like, I got to check in with my ladybug wife though first to see if it's cool if I quit my job. Uh, ladybug said it wasn't. She said she doesn't want me. Um, she wants me focused on my real day job. She doesn't want me following my screenwriting dreams. So, and I got to respect her. Hey, you know. Because it's a partnership with Ladybug Life. It is a partnership. Can't, you know. You're not just thinking for yourself anymore. I'm, you know, I'm living a life for two now. I can't just, uh, yeah. I, can't. <laughs> I have to consider my spouse. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, sun help. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that was Pumpkinhead. And uh, if you see a movie in another year or two called Pumpkinhead, Written by Donna and myself. It's a totally different movie. Remember, it's a totally different idea. It's in no way. It's a completely different movie that has nothing to do with what we just talked about. Yeah. And we also don't have any money, so don't come after us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to pre-point out that Pumpkinhead had a magical old witch. Our movie has a a staff-wielding wizard, and that's an entirely different concept, an entirely different idea. So, again, you can't see It's a little girl that dies. She owns a cat. Yeah, completely different. Whole, wholly different thing. And she lives in a in bustling downtown Chicago instead of uh, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Appalachian Trail or wherever the hell that was all about. So, wholly different idea. Well, that's as good of note as any to end on. Amen. Until next time, this is all of us at Stabgab saying, "Stay away from that pumpkin patch." <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's you know, it's to the point. Bum, 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 bum. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. 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 Perfect. (laughs) 